Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. All right, here we go. Spreading the court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's down to seven seconds. Oh, that's a long way. It's the truth for the win. Gone. Oh! It did it. Double water! Hit that one from the parking lot! For the championship! Shock it all in college basketball. It's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Action Network Podcast. This is the College Basketball Weekend Betting Preview. I'm Stucky, and with me, as always, is Colin Wilson and Mike Randall. What's going on, gentlemen? I heard we were talking a little SEC, and there's no way I would miss this podcast. And we're just riding the wave, boys, of Kentucky. It's Kentucky's world and mm-hmm. Kansas's world. We're just living in it. Yeah, we're going to talk, actually. I, well, I spoke with Blake Lovell. An SEC expert that I follow on Twitter does the SEC podcast as well. So we go through the actual entire conference. So we start at the top. We talked about, you know, Auburn and Kentucky are projected to be around, you know, four seeds as of now. I think Kentucky's trending up. We talked about which one of those teams has, a, you know, more potential to go to the Final Four. I think we both agreed Kentucky. And then, you know, of the eight, nine seeds, it's LSU and or Florida, we think Florida would probably have the better shot at pulling off an upset over, you know, a one or a two seed in the second round. Remember, this is a really talented team. They just haven't been able to put it all together, but it's a preseason top five team. The LSU defense is just, it's just horrendous. Um, and it's been horrendous all year. I think they're 178th and adjusted defensive efficiency. It's just not going to get it done. They just can't get enough stops. And then we talked about some of the bubble teams who potentially could get in. And uh, Blake was actually most optimistic on your hogs, uh, you know, with Isaiah Joe back, he thinks that they can play their way in Alabama. It's going to be tough, especially if Petty and that injury looked bad. I, I mean, he's their best shooter. And I, I don't know if, you know, they've had some bad losses here, that home loss to Texas A&M, who is playing a lot better. And then you have Mississippi state, South Carolina is out there. I can't see them getting there, especially with their non-conference. So Randall, let me start with you. Is it clearly Kentucky is the team that can make the deepest run? And which one of the bubble teams do you fancy? Yeah, I don't know how we're not talking about Kentucky more. I mean, their futures last week was still 25, 22 to one. They have it all. When they make threes, that's been the calling card for Cal. They have everything else. They have the bigs inside, Montgomery, Richards. The guards have been dynamite. IQ, Mr. High IQ, Manuel quickly. Dynamite from three, really picking it up. So uh, this is a team, they have it all. And Cal has a proven track record of getting better. I mean, they've been amazing. If you look at them now, they've won like 11 of 12. The only loss was at Auburn. I think they're by far and away the best team. And they're a team that I still am interested in getting futures on. As far as the bubble teams, 
listen, Alabama was the one who was really good against the spread earlier this year. Now they're 15 and three, seven and eight in conference. They've alternated wins and losses each of the last eight games. So tough situation for them. The Herb Jones injury kind of derailed them a little bit. I still want to believe that South Carolina has a chance because Frank Martin has done such a great job. It is just, and you said it stuck. It's a killer that you lose at home to BU and Stetson. That cannot happen to overcome their losses. And they got one that they needed to in overtime against Georgia. They got Alabama, Mississippi State, Vanderbilt. They need a sweep there. There's two on the road, but they've been good on the road. And then they get into that SEC tournament. If they went out, they are 20 and 11. They are 12 and six in conference. I still think South Carolina, because they do play defense, supposedly Manaya is going to be back, which would really help them. Kuznar just can't get early foul trouble. He gets two fouls, guys, in the first half, and their offense becomes like Marcel Marceau and just slows down and stares at each other. He's the guy, even though he's the freshman, he's the X factor, hit the big shot against Kentucky. So yeah, Kentucky's clearing the field and I'm rooting for South Carolina and I think they have a path. Yeah, I mean, Blake and I talked about it too with Kentucky. Is I mean, quickly, quickly can't miss right now from three. Maybe a team zones them and they miss from outside. But I mean, this team is moving the ball well. They defend. Um, you know, they're obviously really talented. Number of first round draft picks on the team, and they get to the line a ton and they make their free throws. They're close to about eighty percent. We're going to talk about futures here shortly, uh, per the request of one of my followers that I tweeted at, and where which futures we still think have value. If you guys want to throw out one or two. I'll go through mine. We'll get there. But Wisconsin's another team that, look, they close. They shoot close to 80%. At the end of a game, you're not really going to steal one from them. They're going to seal it up at the line. And Kentucky is doing that. And they're just not going to go through extended droughts because they're going to get to the line and then they're going to make their free throws. And Cal hasn't always had the strongest free throw shooting teams, but he does this year. And it's pretty amazing to me that Texas A&M, you got to, and Blake and I talked about this. We give a ton of credit to Buzz for what he's done with that team who looked so dreadful early in the year. They're eight and seven in the conference. That's ahead of Alabama, ahead of Arkansas. Arkansas has dealt with a lot of injuries. They have Isaiah Joe back. It looks like they're playing better these last couple games. So I'm going to turn to Colin. You're as close to this team as anyone. Do you trust this team? And, you know, this game at Georgia is going to be enormous on Saturday. You know, then they're home against LSU. I mean, they're pretty much, I think, in must-win mode. You know, then they close the year at Texas A&M. I think if they win out, and then maybe get a game in the SEC tournament. But I think if they went out and they get to, what, 9-9 nine and nine in the conference, I think they're going to have a good shot, especially when you take into consideration the injuries. But what are your thoughts on your Hogs? Woo, pig suey. Collins talking Razorback basketball. Well, Arkansas is back to the December-January form where we all kind of fell in love with them. At least I was watching Mason Jones taking shots from the hog snout, you know, back in November. Mason Jones thinking, holy cow. But I mean, really the the key cog in all of this was Isaiah Joe, because of Isaiah Joe's defense, his length, his three-point shooting. Uh, He was the reason that Mason Jones was able to get one-on-one defense and able to do what he does, which is step back and shoot or drive to the basket. And once Isaiah Joe went down with knee inflammation, it was double teaming Mason Jones all day. It was triple teaming. It was all five guys going up against Mason Jones. But now that Isaiah Joe is back fully healthy, you're seeing that against, you know, recent wins against Tennessee, just a runaway against Tennessee. So Arkansas is back from the form that they had in December and January where they were, you know, getting some high talk and Musselman was getting a lot of credit. Uh, And and really, as long as Joe is healthy and they're making through playing defense and Mason Jones getting one-on-one coverage, they're going to be something to reckon with. They're 310th in bench minutes. That's not going to change. That's, I think that's what Isaiah Joe coming back really means to the Razorbacks. I know it's threes in defense, but it allows the rotation to get a little bit bigger because without him, it was only six guys. 
Uh, they're 40th in minutes continuity. You took a huge piece of that out with Isaiah Joe. Now he's back. So there's not a lot of subs. There's just pieces around Jones and Joe as they take shots and, you know, try to get a rebound. I mean, we're small uh, and, and we defend the perimeter well, but that's it. Now, I, I want to pivot. I agree with you guys wholeheartedly on South Carolina. Wait, before you pivot to four. South Carolina, just yes or no, I project yeah, that Tuck, uh, Georgia as a like a one point, one-ish, one to two point home dog. Yes or no, Saturday you're going to back the Hogs? On Saturday, yes. SEC tournament, no. Gotcha. Okay, back to South Carolina. So South Carolina has been like printing money on the road. I mean, on the road, they've just been fantastic all season. They're in the next four out. They're top 20 in tempo, 52nd in offensive rebounding, top 20 in defensive, uh, you know, uh, effective field goal percentage. They're almost dead last in the nation of making free throws. So I'm not going crazy on their futures or anything. But I think what people need to keep in mind is if you don't know anything about SEC basketball, Kentucky is a freight train in the SEC tournament. They may drop. I think when Randall talks about getting futures, I want to get futures on Kentucky too, but they may drop that, that season ender against Florida at Florida. They may not need it, may not want it. They, they may be thinking about the tournament, but you need to look at how the brackets are going to shake out in the SEC tournament. I know we're going to have a conference preview, but if it started today, you got to look at who's going to be on Kentucky's side. As If it fell today, Kentucky would be on the other side of Auburn, Florida, and South Carolina. So that make, you know that really makes me think South Carolina can absolutely make a deep run because they could get all of the way to the finals before meeting up with Kentucky. Arkansas, not so much. They can't escape the 8-9 seed. Uh, the 4-5 seed is going to run into Kentucky. So uh, Arkansas is, has no way to avoid Kentucky in that quarterfinal part of the SEC tournament. So keep your eyes on South Carolina, Florida, and Auburn when it comes to conference tournament time because they're going to fall on the other side of Kentucky, and that's going to allow them to have a run of th- you know three wins or more possibly if they're deeper like South Carolina. Yep. Good point. Uh, and yeah, like you said, we're going to have more frequent podcasts. I know a couple people have been asking once uh, March rolls around and uh, we're recording this exactly three weeks away from Christmas morning, the first day. I don't care about the first four, the first official day of the tournament uh, on that Thursday, one of the best days of the year in sports. Randall, before we move on from the SEC, are, are you, you're not buying LSU? I assume. Yeah, my concern is the guard play. And you saw that against Florida. There was a possession at the end of the game with Nemhart where he just zigzagged back and forth until he got what he wanted. Uh, teams, and we'll talk about them a little bit, like West Virginia, LSU, big up front, rebounding. Emmett Williams was calling for the ball in the post, but the guard play is just very suspect with them. And they're not stopping anybody on defense. So questionable guard play and not playing defense. I'm just not buying LSU. Yep, I am on board with you. Um, all right, let's talk before we get to futures and we talk about the weekend. Uh, let's talk about the week that was. Uh, I mean, I think I'll run through some of the highlights. Obviously, you have to start with Kansas. Look, they beat Baylor, get a huge win at Baylor. Azubuki is just completely dominates, and then they back it up and they roll Oklahoma State. And this is the, the, to me, and we talked about this last week. The clear best team in the country, and they're by about three and a half points. I now have Baylor at number two. You had Gonzaga go down to BYU. You had San Diego State go down to UNLV. By the way, that BYU offense, man, that is a pretty thing to watch. Yep. Um, Dayton seems to be slipping a little bit here. They keep winning, but it's just eh, – it's, it's just I don't know if they're just a little sleepwalking, sleepwalking here, but – uh, and the Michigan State, they cannot cover a close to save their lives. Maryland pulls out another prayer win. I don't know. Are they lucky? Is it clutch? I'm not sure. And then Duke, I mean, Duke losing another one. The defense was horrific. Seagulls 
I, I just don't think they have it. I mean, the talent is there, but I mean, looks like they're tired and it's definitely concerning. Arizona blows another close one. And by the way, I'm going to have to eat a shoe on this podcast at some point <laughs> working on those details. Uh, I still can't believe they got fouled and then missed both free throws. So that's kind of a summary of the week that was Purdue picks up a big win tonight at home. And then Wisconsin, I'm going to talk to them. They get a big road win. I think it's their eighth quad one win. Demetri Trice playing very well. Uh, this team is, is dangerous to me. I'm going to talk about them, but what I mentioned, my futures, but that's kind of a, a summary. And then what I want to yell about. Losing money is never fun, but sometimes it's worth the story because a bad beat is a dope beat. I need a dope beat, a dope beat, a dope beat, a dope beat. Uh, I mean, Loyola, Maryland, I had them against Navy. Navy misses the free throws and goes to overtime on Saturday against Army, catching two and a half, and they get blown out. And then I got a good line, and they miss a free throw. They get a rebound, and Loyola fouls him. And that's after Loyola lost its best player, like 10 minutes in. Still had a shot. So that pissed me off. And then Texas. Man, I hate this Texas team. I got to tell you, dude, this Texas team infuriates me. I was just losing money betting on them every week, and then their entire team gets hurt, and then their backups come up, and then the backups are unbeatable. I don't, I don't know what to make of this Texas team. I can't figure them out. Uh, so that's kind of a recap of what happened this but, week. But, I think, and uh, fuck Texas. But go ahead. Go isn't that crazy? Because you are the biggest megaphone in the fall of Texas as a simple team. In college football, are. not college basketball. They are the opposite of a simple team, people. They are in a complex enigma. So for me, that's the week that was. is a pretty good week. Betting-wise, uh, look to carry it over into the weekend. Rand, I'll go to you. What do you want to recap, talk about anything I mentioned or anything you want to mention and uh, go for it. Duke game was crazy because they were shooting so poorly from the free throw line. If I told you they play Wake Forest and they shoot 91% from the free throw line and collapse with two minutes left, basically up 10, you would laugh. But that's a bad loss. I mean, them self-destructing. If you told me they shot poorly from the line, you say, okay, you can see it. But that was a devastating loss for them against Wake Forest. Nice to see Coach K, at least, though, give the nice chest pad on the hand hug uh, there on the line. However, I'm with you on Texas. Really good week all around, but the one that annoyed me was the West Virginia game. That was a spot for West Virginia to step up here. I know they're on the road, but basically they've been like 32.2 feet per second squared here. Lost five of their past six games, five consecutive row games. Huggy's a master because that team is not that good, and they fooled us into thinking they are. They're piecing it together. Poor guard play, like I mentioned before. But the have big will travel has ended because they're just getting lit up. They couldn't stop the Texas three-pointers, banging them from all over the place here. No Jericho for Texas should have pounded it inside. I hate Texas. I'm with you. But the Longhorns still rolled them by 10. Is Shaka saving his job, folks? I mean, seriously. But other than that, it was a pretty solid week. Yeah, in West Virginia, I mean, they've just been plummeting. I had them in the top 10 and thought that they could overcome their offensive issues. I am not a believer now after what I've seen. They just go through too many droughts. They can't shoot free throws, can't shoot from the three. Their offense just doesn't work. I have them drop down to like 25th, and I could see them going further and further down. How about you, Colin? What do you got? I mean, a lot of my notes are a lot of the games that you guys covered, so I'll just go high level here. But how much separation is there in the Big Ten? I mean, we got Maryland by one at Minnesota, Penn State by one hosting Rutgers. I mean, just everything is like a one-point victory, these Michigan State games. Uh, There's like almost no separation between teams one through 12. Three of them can't play defense whatsoever, Iowa, Minnesota, Indiana. The rest of them have a top 25 defense as far as uh, defensive efficiency, adjusted efficiency goes. 
So I, I don't know if we're taking all these teams to advance in March Madness, if we're fading all these teams. I don't know if it's a matchup by matchup, but it's just so close and the, and, and the margins are so raised within with, with the conference. It's, it's, uh, it, it's tough to predict. Wake went to the line 50 times against Duke. I mean, that's all. I mean, I, I've said for weeks I'm not taking Duke in the tournament and I'll fade Duke as much as I can. But Wake went to the line 50 times in a game. That is a, that's an unbelievable amount. West Virginia, uh, I think that's going to be the team that nobody picks in three weeks. I think we're going to get to brackets. West Virginia is going to make it in just because of full season resume. They've lost five of their last six. They still have OU and Baylor to go. So, I mean, they still have some pretty tough games. And then they have the Big 12 tournament. Um, they shot 27% and 11% in two of their past three games from three-pointer. Uh, they are in a shooting funk right now that is just carrying over from game to game to game. But we say this like about teams like Creighton, like they're so good at shooting the three. We think that there's going to be regression back to the mean with hot shooting three-point teams. Is there not going to be regression to the mean with a team like West Virginia that's absolutely just can't hit the ocean right now? I don't know if that's a team that I want to look to back, but I think the narrative's out there three weeks away that nobody's going to be taking West Virginia to advance whatsoever. San Diego State, I needed evidence proof, whatever, to be a doubter of this team. And we finally got it, you know, with their loss last weekend. And then Colorado State, I mean, they had to do everything in their power to shake off a Colorado State team that was hot. And I say hot as in they didn't even hit their three-pointers. Colorado State's a great three-pointing shooting team. They were 5 of 20. Uh, They out-rebounded San Diego State. San Diego State, I, I don't know if it's fatigue. I don't know if teams have figured them out. But we have live dogs in the Mountain West Conference Tournament that starts next week. Now, San Diego State's going to start off with the winner of Fresno and Air Force. But after that, they're going to get a combination of Boise, UNLV, and Colorado State. I think this tournament's live, so I look forward to see the odds. And the last note that I'll put out there, UCLA's won five straight at Colorado, at Arizona. Right now, they're listed in bracketology. Lenardi's bracketology is the first four out. Wow. Yeah, they're up to first four out, which I saw some 700 to ones floating around the old Twitter today. And I started looking at my local books. I saw 350s, 300 to ones. And I'm thinking, they've got this game against Arizona this weekend. They win this game. They're essentially out of the first four out, and they're they're finding their their way inside. And who knows what happens in the Pac-12 tournament? They are the best offensive rebounding team in the conference. Their three point shooting percentage has increased with each conference game. Yeah, they I were just, gonna get, they were due for some shooting variance on both sides, and they're starting to get at, and they're starting to gel. They're playing really good basketball. Well, I'll throw it to you guys. What do you what do you guys think about the UCLA teams? I mean, we're staring at numbers right now, like 200, 300, 350 to one. I what do we got? A hot team here, a brand name getting in with best rebounding team in the Pac-12. Yeah, you know, he's got it going, McCronin, with the defense. And I and I give him credit. He's been able to cultivate Tiger Campbell. Tiger Campbell takes these games over late. He runs the show. He controls the tempo, makes sure they get a good shot. I mean, listen, look at what they've done on the road at Arizona. Washington State home overtime. Washington home at Utah. Never easy, one by 11. At Colorado by seven. That's the one. Give it up for McCronin. I mean, in a Pac-12 that's sort of up and down here, he's done a real nice job. 17. 11, 10, and 5, they could easily run the table these last three games. They'll be 13 and 5 in the Pac 12 for a team that started 7 and 6. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tina lost to Fullerton at home. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's been a hell of a turnaround. And I'll, I'll say that's in the not mount- Stetson. That's not Stetson, though, right? That's not Stetson low. Oh, Stetson and BU. And BU. Oh. <laughs> and you got to give Cronin a, a ton of credit. And yeah, you in regards to the Mountain West, Utah State, my Utah State boys are playing really good basketball. They are healthy and rolling but i agree there's going to be some live dogs in the mountain west tournament and uh maybe this saturday with nevada 
they put San Jose State away right away for people who had that. And guys, mentioning Creighton, Colin, you talk about Creighton. Has there ever been a better in-game wagering opportunity than when Carmar Baldwin goes out against Creighton on the road? I mean, it was a bonanza at that point. Mm-hmm. So Creighton is hot. They don't care. They're Like you said, Colin, they're going to shoot the three. They may shoot themselves out of it, but they are not afraid to chuck it on the road. They've gotten some big road wins, and they take care of business at home against Butler. Yeah, so some of the most interesting teams to me are going to be those teams with those – because they have elite offense, the BYU – the and and Creighton, their defense isn't great, but their offenses are maybe two of the best in the country. Um, going to be intriguing teams to watch and see how the bracket unfolds and some of their matchups. Um, all right, let's move on to some futures talk. I'll start. Um, you know, some of my long shots were St. Mary's, Utah State. If you can find like 150 to one, I mean, I had some 250 to one before the year. 251 for sure. Throw it down. Hope that, you know, you can make a run to the final four at the matchups break, right? Anything under a hundred, I wouldn't go for, uh, Arizona. I mentioned them. This team is just, there's so much potential there. And if they can just put it together and close out these games, I've talked about Arizona ad nauseum, but they're still around 30, 35 to one. I know a lot of you got 50 to one when I brought it up in a drop like that next day after the pod drop, but anything 30 to one or over, I still think Arizona is worth a shot. You know, I had Seton Hall and, and Louisville from before the year. I had Louisville at 18 to 1, uh, some 15 to 1. You can find some 20 to 1 out there. I still believe in Louisville. At Seton Hall is down at 15 to 1. That's a little low. I don't know if I would take that there, but if you want to ride along with Miles Powell, you know, throw a couple of dollars on it, but I don't see a ton of value at that number. Besides Arizona, the only other future that I added throughout this year, and this was, I don't know, maybe a month or so ago on the pod, was Wisconsin. You can maybe still find some 100 to 1 and, you know, 75 to 1, 80 to 1. I love this team, man, with added added Potter, Potter and Reese, and then their guard play. I mean, Ford is coming along as well, but Demetri Trice is playing so well. And I mentioned this team, if they play defense, they're going to grind you down. They're making shots now. They're running efficient, confident offense. Trice is taking care of the ball. They make their free throws. Um, I love what I see from Wisconsin. They have three now three top 20 road wins in the Big Ten. Um, they've won at Ohio State, at Penn State, and then at a red-hot Michigan tonight and led wire to wire. Uh, I think this Wisconsin team, you know, it's not the most athletic team in the world, but if you know they get a good draw, they can make a run. So 80 to 100 to 1 I think is intriguing. Randall, I'll toss it to you. Any futures that you want to mention that you still think are worth exploring? Yeah, big one I added was Florida State. Now, look, I know I'm crazy for betting on Leonard Hamilton here. This could be like Charlie Brown and Lucy with the football when I buy in. But they can really break you down off the dribble. The second half of that game in Louisville against Louisville it was home, I know. But they attacked the basket. They're shooting 38.5% in ACC play from three-point range. They make their free throws at 75 76%. And they just have a bunch of guys that are versatile that can score. Devin Vassell's been fantastic. Potential first-round draft pick. 100%. Raekwon Gray, even inside, is serviceable. Williams, Walker, Forrest. I get it, but in a year that's wide open here at 22, 25 to 1, wherever you can get them, they are now 14 and 3 in the ACC. They've won four games in a row. They finish up away Clemson, away Notre Dame, and Boston College. I mean, not exactly that hard. Could easily end up 17 and 3, shoot the three well. You know they're going to get after it. They're great on the board, second in the ACC in offensive rebounding. So I'm starting to buy in. And folks, Teams are shooting 75% from the free throw line against them. So that's a little bit unlucky. They could get some regression there. But in a year that's wide open, why not Florida State? Could this be Leonard Hamilton's year like it was Dana Altman's a couple of years ago? Yeah, I mean, it's not like Florida State has not had any 
success in the tournament. Uh, I mean, this is a a Florida State team that looks like a lot of the teams you're used to seeing with Leonard Hamilton. They're a long and they are deep. I mean, they are as deep as anyone in the country and they will wear you down, but they're just so athletic and so long. No matter who they play, you're going to have to earn that win. I mean, that, that team is just extremely long and extremely deep potential first round draft pick out there as well. Yeah. So I, I don't, I don't hate it. That team is uh, extremely scary. And what they went to one at Louisville. last year, they went to the sweet 16. They lost to yeah. Gonzaga the year before they went to the elite eight. Yeah. Cause they beat um, Gonzaga when Tilly got hurt that year, they played yeah. Gonzaga Tilly got out ruled out right for the game and they blasted him. Yeah. I mean, they've gone to the sweet 16, three out of the last five years um, or three out of the last five appearances in the tournament under Hamilton. That you remember that Elite Eight game when they didn't foul. Thank you, Leonard Hamilton, when he attacked, I forget who the reporter was, and they lost by four to Michigan in the Elite Eight. So this team's gone Elite Eight, Sweet 16 in the last two years. I don't hate it. Colin, what do you got? Yeah, for me, I've been keeping them all in the action app. So if you guys go, uh, you know, download our app and check it out because now we have XFL football, which give a little, you know, shout out to those guys. I'm, I'm glad that we got that in the app. It was asked for by a lot of people. But our futures tab uh, in, in CAB will have all of my futures. Um, and, you know, currently I have Dayton 33 to one. Feel good about that. I, I, I agree with what Stuck said earlier. Hopefully it's just fatigue or maybe boredom throughout the season. Uh, they're still playing, you know, good defense. I, hopefully Obi Toppin just needs a breather in here and we'll get them. Uh, back going for conference tournament. I got an Iowa 100 to 1. There was uh, a little dip in their schedule I thought they'd be able to take advantage of. And, you know, they don't play any defense whatsoever. I'm a little nervous about that. But hey, if we can get Luca Garza carved up before the marathon here, uh, you know, maybe he can uh, dominate people at the offensive side and uh, help get some rebounds on the other side. Arizona 36 to 1. I'm right in the same boat as Stuck. San Diego State, uh, I'm at 25 to 1. I have never felt more uncomfortable with a one loss team and a 25 to 1 future <laughs> in my life. Uh, Illinois, 125 to 1, added uh, last week, maybe uh, 10 days ago. And uh, I, I said all along that this was the night, the Wisconsin Michigan game, that I was going to make my decision on Wisconsin. There's a shop in Nevada, Las Vegas, uh, that is offering 125 to 1 on them right now that I'm staring at. And there's plenty of shops that are offering 100 to 1. So do your shopping. This was the time to buy Wisconsin. Their schedule lightens up a little bit. Maybe they make a run in the, in, uh, the Big Ten tournament. Uh, and then outside of that, I haven't added this to that, but I, I think I've got to shop for the best number on UCLA and, and, and get it in there. Add it before the weekend because if they beat Arizona, they're not going to be first four out anymore. Yep. Um, all right. Good summary there. I guess what there's like 34 conferences. If you're looking for a 90 second rundown, I'll give that to you right now. America East Vermont won the regular season. American, it's a three way tie right now between Houston, Cincy, and Tulsa. Atlantic 10, Dayton has it locked up already. They're 15 and 0. ACC, Florida State's 14 and 3. They swept the season series with Louisville's 14 and 4. Duke's now 13 and 4. Virginia 12 and 5. Virginia and Duke play each other this weekend. Atlantic Sun, Liberty's 13 and 2. North Florida's 13 and 3. They split during the regular season. Keep an eye on both of those teams. Big 12 is going to come down to Baylor and Kansas. Who gets the one seed? They could come down to picking a name out of a hat. They're both 14 and 1. Big East, Seton Hall still on top at 12 and 3. Creighton and Villanova are one game behind Seton Hall. We're going to learn a lot about them over the next couple of days because they go to Marquette and then finish the year with Creighton and Villanova. Uh, should be a hell of a finish in the Big East Conference to determine their regular season champ. Big Sky, Montana's 13-3 and with a game lead over Eastern Washington and Northern Colorado. I still think Northern Colorado is the best team in that conference. Big South, Radford, one game lead over Winthrop. They split during the regular season. Big Ten, Maryland now is a two-game lead over Wisconsin, Penn State, Michigan State. 
Uh, Maryland will host Michigan State this weekend. We'll get to that game. Big West, UC Irvine has it all locked up. They're 11 and 2. Uh, they are four games, three and a half games ahead of UCSB. Uh, Colonial, Hofstra's 13 and four. Hofstra lost to Towson, and now William and Mary is only one game back. Towson's two games back, then Charleston and Delaware uh, are behind them. Conference USA, their pod play, but North Texas is now 13 and three, game and a half above Western Kentucky and La Tech, who are playing be a big win for La Tech. Uh, Horizon, Wright State in the lead over North Northern Kentucky by one game. Ivy, Yale's eight and two. Then you got Harvard and Princeton at seven and three. Then Brown six four. Penn five and five. They could beat anyone. They could lose anyone. Hard team to figure out in the Metro Siena. Home Siena is now in the lead at 12 and 5. St. Peter's, your St. Peter's boys, Randall, 12 and 6, and then Monmouth at 10 and 6. Mac, Bowling Green, now is a one game lead over Akron. They swept the season series. Those Falcons are coming strong. In the MIAC, NCANT is in the lead at 11 and 3. Missouri Valley, Northern Iowa is a one game lead over Loyal Chicago. Mountain West, San Diego State has it locked up. They're 16 and 1. Northeast Conference, it's Merrimack. Uh, who cannot play in the conference tournament, uh, but they lead the conference at 14-4. Ohio Valley, Austin P, Murray State, and Belmont, three-way tie at the top Pac-12. It's Arizona State who's in the lead of the Pac-12 right now, 10-4. and four. Oregon and UCLA and Colorado are next, then Arizona. Patriot League, Colgate has it locked up. They're 13-4. The SEC, Kentucky has a two-game lead over Auburn. They play each other this weekend in the Southern. ETSU's 15-2. They have a one-game lead over Furman, who got a big win over UNCG. In the Southland, Stephen F. Austin has it locked up at 16-1. In the SWAC, it's Prairie View at 12-2 with a two-game lead. Uh, in the Summit, South Dakota State, 13-2. One-and-a-half game lead over North Dakota State. They play tonight, uh, so you'll, that'll go a long way in deciding who wins that regular season conference. Sunbelt, Little Rocks at 14-4, the two-game lead over Texas State. In the West Coast Conference, Gonzaga, 13-1. They are a game and a half up over BYU at 12 and three in the whack. New Mexico state again is going to win the regular season at 13 and Oh, so there's your two to three minute conference summary, which surprised you the most Randall. At some point, I feel like when you're talking about the SOCON and I know we can get to a little bit, those three teams, they were so dangerous last year when Wofford came in. So I'm looking at teams, not surprising, but a team that I think can make a run. East Tennessee State, Furman, UNCG. UNCG is so good, guys. They just can't make free throws. They, they, they cannot make free throws, with this, which is a killer. So I'm hoping to see uh, some dogs are going to come up there and, and jump out and bite some people. I'm just hoping to see some of these teams that are dominant in those small conferences find a way to get in because I think this year they can make some noise. We could have like three or four teams that can move forward. And you know my thoughts on the eye be Yale are you ever going to show up and beat Harvard give me a break yeah and I, it's surprising to me to see Arizona State on top uh of the Pac-12 so I think um, uh, guys what do you think about them tonight with UCLA you think that's gonna they're on the road to UCLA right that's gonna we're gonna learn a lot about UCLA and Arizona State but we're the gonna, Pac-12 race should be good anything surprise you there Colin that I mentioned yeah USC is one of those teams that's uh you know poking around the Pac-12 they've taken on you know uh, they lost five of their last seven you know they host the Pac-12 leader in Arizona State Arizona both games are, are three-point range per Ken Palm so I think we're going to find out a lot about USC coming up here as far as SoCon goes I completely agree with Randall that it's complete it's wide open by the way this is the worst 
conference in division one, as far as home teams, they're hitting 48% this year. You know, this, this team ranks second out of all the conferences, uh, you know, all 30 something conferences, they rank second in blowout percentage. They, they, they shoot a ton of threes. Every team shoots a ton of threes and Randall's right. Isaiah Miller at UNC greens is, is probably the best player in the entire conference. Yeah. He's third in the nation and in, in, in shot percentage. He's third in the nation and steal percentage. So uh, it's going to be a wild conference tournament. Yeah. And even Wofford is they're having a down year, but they're still dangerous. I mean, they're, they, they're playing a lot of these these teams that what they just lost in overtime to UNCG. They played ETSU tough. So, you know, they, they're still going to play defense if their offense is if they're hitting some shots, if Hoover and company are hitting some shots, they're even dangerous. Um and, and what listen, West Mill is a real good coach at UNC Greensboro, but what is the problem with the free throws? Last five years, 69%, <laughs> 69%, 65%. This year, guys, they're 62.6%. That's 343rd. And they can't beat East Tennessee State. They lost twice to them. So I mean, all three of those teams can make a run in the tournament, but you certainly know that a small school is gonna have to probably make free throws, right? I mean, that that's that's kind of a standard thing, but he's such a good coach and they're so good. But the free throw thing's been going on for five years. Yeah, Wofford has their number. Two. Wofford beat them three times last year. They beat them uh, earlier this year. And then UNCG needed to come back to beat them in overtime in their last meeting. So, yeah, more to come on the Southern Conference and the Conference Tournament in the future episode coming shortly. Conference Tournaments are almost here. From the Southern to the Summit League, the MEAC and the Missouri Valley, there are over 350 Division I programs. So let's get acquainted. This is Conference Confidential. Okay, now joined by Blake Lovell. You can follow him on Twitter if you don't already at the Blake Lovell, L-O-V-E-L-L. He does his own college basketball podcast on the SEC, which is what we're here to talk about. What's going on, Blake? Thanks for having me on, man. Uh, Yeah, excited to, to come on with you. Like you said, I do a uh, Locked on SEC podcast, uh, which right now is certainly focused all on uh, basketball. And yeah, it's a lot going on. also do another college basketball podcast, uh, Marching to Madness. Uh, we've had uh, hundreds of coaches on like, over the past four years. So yeah, all, all college basketball right now for sure. And you used to write or still do for Blue Ribbon yearbook? Yeah, still doing some writing for, for Blue Ribbon, and uh, that's always fun. Obviously, I know for college basketball fans, people listen to this, uh, the best resource there is when it comes to uh, looking at teams uh, year in and year out. My annual Bible. And uh, <laughs> you're down in Nashville. Where'd you go to school? Do you have a team or do you just follow the SEC in general? Well, I actually went to Austin P, which, uh, you know, and is governor. outside of Nashville. Yes, I'm the governor. So, uh, yeah, I went to Austin P and uh, just have certainly, you know, been in this area pretty much my entire life at this point, uh, have uh, followed the SEC. And yeah, it's been interesting, hasn't it, to see how this league has sort of evolved over the years, that's for sure. Speaking of Austin P, we're going to talk, you know, the SEC bubble teams. Austin P has a shot this year of going dancing with uh, Taylor, and that should be an interesting conference tournament, but uh, I think that they would be right up there as the front runner to get into the tournament, which would be fun for you, I'm sure. Yeah, no, they've got a really good shot. I thought that, you know, Matt Figures there now, former Frank Martin assistant, I had a feeling he was sort of the kind of guy that could help them. You know, Dave Luce was there forever. and um, But Matt Figures done a really good job. You mentioned that Taylor, he is fantastic. And then just that that trio at the top, we always know Belmont and Murray State are going to be there, and they are right now. But uh, no doubt, those three teams in that tournament are always a lot of fun. Yeah, and don't sleep on the magic of uh, Eastern Illinois, who's had some of the most <laughs> ridiculous wins I've seen over the last couple of weeks. But it should be a fun 
OVC tournament, but let's get right into the SEC. Let's start at the top. Uh, you know, if you go by some of the projections right now, there's uh, four teams I think that are safely in two 100% locks for the tournament, and that's Auburn and Kentucky. Kentucky is really on an upswing here. Cal, every year, he tries to have his guys peaking for March. It's all his focus is on, and it looks like he's got that team peaking and heading in the right direction. You know, three potential first round draft picks. You have Auburn, who and I've been really impressed with what Auburn has done after losing their guards last year. They have a potential first-round draft pick in their own right, Nakora, who's just excellent on both sides of the ball. Who do you favor for making a potential run to the Final Four? Could you see both or just one? And what are your thoughts on the top of the SEC? Well, I think at this point, I would I would lean more towards Kentucky just because, for whatever reason, and I thought it was a very intriguing stat, and you've seen people point it out this year. Um, I don't know. It's so weird to think that Kentucky shoots the ball from three-point range so much better away from home than they do at Rupp Arena, and that's not something that we're used to saying about teams to where they just shoot it so much better. I think at a point, you know, last week or the weekend, the week before, uh, I think at one point they were shooting 38% from three on the road, and they were shooting 22% from three at home. Um, you know, this is a team that that always, that's the one thing we always talk about with Kentucky uh, is three-point shooting, because teams are going to have a really hard time matching up with them one through five. Uh, they're going to be teams that try to play zone. We saw Ole Miss do that, uh, gave them some fits. Uh, I think in that game in Lexington a couple weeks ago. Uh, but overall, with the way Emmanuel quickly has been playing, uh, Nick Richards just up and down. I, like you said, I mean, it's, it's every year we have the same conversation where Cal has been playing like this. And I think this team is a legitimate Final Four type of contender. You know, aside from that, that one aspect of if you catch them on the night where they're not shooting it well and they try to shoot themselves out of a slump, that could be a problem. But they shoot it really well from the free throw line. There's just lots of things to like about them. And I think on the flip side with Auburn, uh, they're just not as good of a shooting team as they were last year. And it's funny because I actually talked to Bruce Pearl couple hours ago for a podcast that I'm gonna have on Friday and you know he said it he's like look we're just we're not the type of team on offense we don't have that explosiveness that we had and so that's led to a lot of more close games that they've had this season and when you can factor those things in I like where Auburn's at I've been impressed for them to be 24 and 4 right now Uh, it's spectacular but uh, I think that lack of three-point shooting and knowing that they could have these stretches where they just can't find ways to score if people make them shoot from outside uh, that could be a problem for the Tigers. Yeah, they definitely don't have the guards like last year that can just, whenever you need a shot with Harper and Brown on the outside, that you're going to consistently get it, which is a concern. And yeah, I agree with you with Kentucky. The fact that they've played so well on the road all year, and I mean, they started off the year with a neutral court win over Michigan State, but I don't know if it's because they're inexperienced. They get a little more nervous and play a little more, you know, tighter at Rupp. But Mm -hmm. the fact that they've played so well on the road. I think bodes well for them in March. They have no problems, you know, going into, it's not like they're relying on their home court, which you see, you know, some of the big 10 teams uh, and in other conferences. And, and you're right. When, and with Quiggy, the way he's shooting lately, they're tough to beat. I have to just point this out because it makes me laugh whenever I look at Kentucky's schedule. One of the most perplexing losses, maybe in college basketball history, will be Evansville winning <laughs> at Rupp earlier this year. Evansville can't win a game in conference. I think they've lost for like three straight months. Obviously just a really fluky early season result, but it still makes me laugh. 
Yeah, it does. And that backs our trend a lot when you say Cal always has his team ready to go in February. Uh, This is one of those where, hey, it's like, look look at what we did back in November and look at us now. Uh, That's the best example of that in terms of how far they've come. Uh, That's uh, definitely an outlier and not one of those wins or one of those games you're probably ever going to kind of look back on and think, how in the world did that happen? Because when you consider how well they played uh, really, you know, since then, I guess since that dropping two in a row to Utah and Ohio State, uh, which even in that Ohio State game, they didn't play terrible. Uh, they've just, man, they've been really good. Yeah, and even after that Evansville game, they, they Utah Valley at home played them yeah. tough. So it's been a, <laughs> a hell of a turnaround here. Now, moving on to the kind of the second tier in the SEC are two teams that I think most would say are seated around 7 to 10, and that is Florida and LSU. These two teams played each other last night. Florida's a preseason top five team, really disappointing year overall, but they've showed signs of late. You know, they played Kentucky really tough at Kentucky. Other than that, they've won four or five, uh, kind of turned things around since a, a blowout loss at Ole Miss. LSU, look, what I can't get over with them is every time I look at their, you know, advanced metrics, I mean, this is a team that's 187th in adjusted defensive efficiency. I mean, if you go up and down the top 30 or 40 teams in the country, no one is close to that low. So trying to figure out what the hell is wrong with LSU's defense uh, is something that I think is worth investigating. I'll ask you about that. And I think because of that LSU defense, or I should say lack of defense, I think Florida has a better shot of potentially pulling off an upset if, you know, versus a two or one seed in the second round if you're looking for one in that matchup. Do you agree there? And what are your thoughts on the uh, Gators and Tigers? Yeah, no, I completely agree because uh, if you want a a trend that you're not going to like about uh, LSU, I think it's pretty clear. The last five games, they've given up 80 or more points on the road, and that's not something you don't want to rely on a team like that, I think, in in a tournament setting, uh, especially if you look at it that way. So it's just hard to trust LSU because uh, that's the thing. You know, we mentioned their their metrics on defense. (laughs) They're in the top five in offensive efficiency, and yet they're so far down on defense. And Will Wade pointed out several weeks ago, he was talking about, you know, we've just we've been so good on offense that we've been able to play our way out of some of these defensive slumps. But the problem is they've just been so bad on defense for really probably the past three weeks or so now. And again, they haven't been a great defensive team all year, but specifically the past three weeks, they've just been so bad that I don't know how you trust a team like this. And really, it's weird to think about that Vanderbilt is kind of the team that broke them uh, because, you know, at that point you have the winless team versus the team that was undefeated. uh, And yet Vanderbilt puts up 99 on them and LSU hasn't been the same since. Uh, So I don't, I don't really trust LSU. I don't think they have the depth. Charles Manning, uh, someone who's played a big role for them on defense this year. uh, They've been a different team when he's been out. And now I think he's out for four weeks. So you would probably think he's probably out for the rest of the season. uh, I think with a a foot injury or some type of injury. Uh, So not, having him is not going to help them on defense at all. Um, And then when you look at Florida, this is not Mike White's best defensive team. Uh, If you just look at the numbers, I mean, he's had a lot better defensive teams there and he's had teams that have, that have come along a lot quicker, but because this is his most inexperienced team he had there, um, he just, you know, I think it's taken him a little while, but when you look at how they've been playing, They've been pretty dominant here, aside from that game at Kentucky. And honestly, I didn't think they played bad at Kentucky. I just think they ran into, again, a Kentucky team that just finds ways to win right now. Uh, They've looked really good, the Gators have, for the past probably, I don't know, several weeks at this point. And with that win against LSU, their guards are so good off the dribble. Now, they still struggle to shoot it sometimes. 
I think if they continue to attack like they had off the dribble with Andrew Nimhar and Noah Locke, I mean, Scotty Lewis is just an athletic specimen. Uh, you've got Kerry Blackshear in there. And I said this to someone, I think it was yesterday, if I'm a one seed and I see Florida as an eight or nine, that is going to terrify me because this team still has top 15 type of talent. And if I have to match up against them in the second round, knowing how well they're playing right now, that would not be a great setup, I think, for the one seeds this year. Completely agree. I mean, like I said, preseason top five, the talent is there. It's just that can they consistently put it together? They'll have these stretches where, oh, look, you know, at home they blow out Ole Miss and they blow out Auburn and then they lose three straight. Florida, I think, is a lock for the tournament, but they go to Tennessee, then to Georgia, and then home against Kentucky. I don't think they'll lose out, but if they do lose the next three and, you know, they drop to 18 and 13 and then they lose in the first round of the SEC tournament, maybe they find themselves on the bubble. I think that they'll get one of those road games and and potentially beat Kentucky at home the season finale. But the reason I bring that up is, you know, I I think the SEC is going to get probably end up with five teams is my guess. You have Mississippi State, who's on the bubble, but their net is like 55. You have Arkansas, who's an interesting case because Isaiah Joe is now back. Does the committee take that into account? And they've looked better the last couple of games. South Carolina is kind of hanging on. Team had just an abysmal non-conference, which I think (laughs) is going to end up holding them back. So out of the bubble teams, who do you think ends up getting in? There's Alabama, who might have lost. I haven't seen an update on Petty and his injury, but, you know, they've lost a couple games here of late. They show flashes. Who do you think ends up getting in? And who do you think is the most intriguing option to maybe make a run in the SEC tournament and maybe win a game or two in the tournament of those kind of bubble SEC teams. Well, it's funny because I change my mind, I think, on these four all the time just based on what we see. And then that's the problem. That's why they're on the bubbles because they're not consistent. But if Alabama, you know, if John Petty is not out for an extended period of time, I still think Alabama may be the most dangerous of that group. Uh, but they may also be the team that has sort of the biggest uphill climb at this point after losing that home game against A&M and then losing the game against Mississippi State the other night. Uh, Aside from them, you know, I really like Mississippi State. I don't know exactly what we're going to see from them because that's one where, you know, Missouri's played well at home. I could just as easily see Mississippi State losing at Missouri on Saturday and then being in a, okay, now you have to win multiple games in the SEC tournament to even be in the conversation. Uh, But Arkansas is that interesting case you mentioned because – I could see Arkansas winning two of their last three here. I mean, they could honestly win all three of them. I think it's going to be easier said than done uh, in terms of playing two of their last three on the road and having to win, you know, at both Georgia and A&M because those two teams have played a lot better recently. Uh, But if they can win both of those games, I think even in a scenario, if Arkansas were to lose at home to LSU in a tight game, I think they would go into the SEC tournament maybe still in a spot where they could only need one win, uh, potentially two, to get in. Because at that point, I think you would prove to the committee that you're just a much different team when Isaiah Joe is on the court. And I think it's clear from the eye test, you know, just watching them play, that they are a different team. Um, And so, I mean, Arkansas could be the most dangerous. I think Alabama may be at full strength, although that's just been something that's been really hard to do for Alabama. Uh, I don't, I'm just not there with South Carolina in terms of trusting them completely. Uh, Mississippi State, I like their roster, but uh, I don't know that I trust them to to win games away from home. 
And that's why I could see their, you know, bubble hopes kind of being shot down uh, this weekend at Missouri, just based on they just haven't been really good on the road. So Alabama and Arkansas of that group, I think is the most intriguing, you know, who gets in. I could see all four of them getting left out. Uh, but at this point, I don't know. I would still probably lean towards Arkansas just because I think they have a chance to finish strong here with Isaiah Joe back. Yeah, I would agree with you. Mississippi State's actually a pretty interesting team for next year. If Perry and Weatherspoon come back, they're both, I think I think Perry's a sophomore and Weatherspoon's a junior. And the rest of that team, I don't think there's any other seniors besides Tyson Carter. So it's an interesting team that Ben Allen might have next year. I like the roster too, but they've just been so inconsistent, especially away from home. And then, you know, you have the rest of the SEC. There are some intriguing teams that aren't going to make the tournament. You have a Texas A&M who's playing really good basketball. And you have to give Buzz a lot of credit for where they've come. I mean, early in the season, they look like one of the worst Power 5 teams in the nation. I mean, they lost on a neutral court to Fairfield. I mean, this is a team that just looked dreadful. They're playing really good basketball for where they've came from earlier in the season. You know, you have Missouri, who has a lot of talent, and they dealt with a lot of injuries all year. Every every day, is, is Smith playing? Is I mean, it's it's just that's the story all year. You have an Ole Miss team that shows flashes, has a ton of talent. You know, with Tyree, who can go for forty every night, and then you know the Schuler. You know, Georgia might have the number one overall draft pick, and then there's Vanderbilt, who finally ended their losing streak. And Vanderbilt would have been, I think, a little more interesting if Aaron Naismith didn't get hurt, uh, which I think really crushed. Vanderbilt. But of those teams, do you see any of them, you know, maybe winning a couple games, maybe making a, you know, miraculous Georgia-like run in the SEC tournament? I think A&M and Missouri are the two that that I think are most intriguing because, like you mentioned, I mean, A&M is just Man, they've been really good here lately. And even in that game against Kentucky, I think that was one where I don't think it's, I don't think A&M played that bad. I mean, I just think Kentucky with Emmanuel quickly just took over the game. And um, there wasn't a whole lot that the Aggies could do about it. But, you know, with yeah, Josh I think Kentucky's Nealon, 10 of 11 from the line, 11 for 22 yeah. from three, shot 55% from two. And the game was close-ish at the end. You know, when you consider those things at play, and and two, it's it's so weird to look at A and M because you you look at their offensive numbers the entire year; they are just dreadful. But they've been so good though the past several weeks, and it's like, well, you know, I don't. You can't just really look at the numbers, I guess, with them now and say, well, they're just going to be a terrible shooting team uh, because they're still, despite some really good three point shooting performances the past several games, uh, they're still you know shooting twenty eight point three percent from three on the year, which is in the three forties nationally. So uh, it's it's hard to figure this team out, and how but how far they've come, I think, is credit to Buzz Williams, and that's why he probably would be in contention for SEC Coach of the Year if they were to finish strong here. Uh, but I, I like their lineup, and I think they're a team that can win games because you have Josh Nebo, you know, with his size, his defensive abilities, come along as a scorer inside, and when you factor that in, I think A&M's got a really good chance to win multiple games in the tournament. And then with Missouri, someone said this to me after that Vanderbilt game, which was just really ugly, but. Fact is, you know, in tournaments, sometimes you can win ugly. I mean, you just those are how games are going to go sometimes. And I think that plays to Missouri's strengths uh, because they're a, a stingy sort of defensive team. If they can put it all together on offense, which Xavier Pinson has started to do, if they can get everyone else doing it on the same night, um, I think Missouri's a dangerous type of team because they play a style – that just isn't one that's easy to prepare for necessarily in terms of how they play defense. Now they foul a lot and that's not something that's necessarily a positive for them. Uh, but uh, I think Missouri and A&M are the two teams based on what the matchups could be and without knowing what the draw is. I think they're two teams that they could sort of make things interesting. 
And I would be remiss not to mention a team before all my uh, the listeners that are uh, part of Vols Nation. I, I didn't mention Tennessee. <laughs> I mean, I I this is a team that I pretty much had pegged once Lamonte Turner went down. I figured, look, that is just going to crush. Not only they're not having Turner, but it's going to hurt Jordan Bowden, and and it just the trickle down effect of losing him for the season early in the year was massive, and it's played out that way. They've showed some flashes at times, but it's been a struggle for the Vols. Is, is there any thoughts on them, and can they string together a couple wins in the SEC tournament? Uh, the problem I have with Tennessee is they're just not scoring it well enough. You know, they're a Rick Barnes team. They're going to defend well. Um, this is, I mean, it's a team that has a good size, and I think that's helped them. You know, you've got East Ponds in there, and you've got uh, John Fulkerson. I thought he's really come along. Yeah, they can defend offense. at the rim as well as anybody. Yeah, and that's what I think. That That's why they've given some teams trouble. Like, you know, they gave Auburn trouble. Uh, they should have won that game up 17 with 14 minutes left in the second half. And then Auburn makes a rally and comes back and wins. Um, that was sort of a defining game, I think, for Tennessee because now – even, you know, beating Vanderbilt at home, they struggled to do that. Um, I just, you know, I don't even know that they've scored 70 points maybe, but I want to say maybe once in their past seven or eight games, six or seven games, something like that. Uh, it's just not their style to play these high-scoring type of games. And I don't know that I just – I'm not there with them on offense to where I feel like they could make a run. Now, again, it's a Rick Barnes team. Um, they've got some guys, you know, with Jordan Bowden, Santiago Scovey has played well. Um, and, you know, they've got some guys that, that if they can all put it together, sure, they could they could outscore some teams. But uh, we just haven't seen it consistently enough. And so, uh, I don't know. I don't know that I would trust Tennessee in a tournament scenario ahead of some of these other teams right now just because um, we haven't seen the consistency from them on offense. Yep. I completely agree with you there. Uh, before I let you go, prediction time. Uh, I'll ask you two questions. How many teams does the SEC eventually get in? And uh, what is the furthest? I assume you're going to be thinking Kentucky, but what is the furthest an SEC team gets in the NCAA tournament? I'll go with five teams. I do think one of those four are going to get in. Uh, at this point, I would probably lean towards Arkansas. But, yeah, I think five's the best number. And without seeing LSU or, you know, potentially play their way out, I just – I don't think there's enough teams behind them that are going to push them far enough uh, to potentially play their way out of the tournament. So I'll say five. And then I do. I think Kentucky's a Final Four team. And, uh, you know, to go back to what I mentioned earlier, talking to Bruce Pearl, I mean, that's what he said. He's just – he doesn't think this team – has sort of gotten enough credit for how far they've come along. And I think I agree. I mean, just just based on where they were, and we mentioned the Evansville loss, uh, Emmanuel quickly is just taking over games. And with Nick Richards and a healthy Ashton Hagens, I think that's a storyline, too, that, that could be worth watching. Maybe, you know, does he – how many minutes is he playing here down the stretch because he's just been battling injury? I'm all in on Kentucky at this point, even with the, the concerns maybe about three-point shooting. I've just been so impressed with what they've done uh, here over the past couple months, and I think that they can definitely make a run to a Final Four. I completely agree with you. I think that Kentucky's a team, and on top of everything that we've said about them, they get to the line a ton, and they make – free throws a team that's shooting almost 80 percent that's going to prevent a lot of droughts that you potentially could go through in the the tournament when maybe games are getting called a little tighter they're going to the line and this has been an issue for some some of Cal's teams at Kentucky and you know two three four years ago where they struggled at the line this Kentucky team does not uh they are just automatic at the line which would be huge late in games uh and that's something that Auburn uh actually struggles with as well so not only they struggle from the outside. They struggle at the line too. So just, I think that those are two more 
factors that work in Kentucky's favor. And yeah, I agree. They definitely have final four potential. Yeah, no, it's as easily his best free throw shooting team he's had there. And like we were saying, I mean, for a team that gets there a lot, uh, that is a big positive because uh, they do. They get there a ton. They get a ton of their points from from the free throw line, which makes sense because, like we're saying, when you have the type of athletes they have, uh, you have guys that can take people off the dribble like Quickly and Hagens and all these other ones. And then you have Nick Richards uh, who can get offensive rebounds. He can now score it inside just on base of offense. Um, it's just, I mean, they're, they're coming along. And, and by the way, having mentioned him but EJ Montgomery I think's also been playing really well here as of late and when you add that to the to the mix uh it's just man Kentucky's got the depth they've got the guards and uh they're really coming along here yep yeah and Auburn gets the line is even more than Kentucky but the difference is they shoot it at 67 68 percent from the line uh yep. so it's a, a massive difference and Kentucky's just not far behind and they're close to 80 um all right well thanks to Blake for joining us uh really appreciate your insight make sure you check him out on Twitter the Locked on SEC podcast. Uh, appreciate all of your SEC insight and uh, enjoy the rest of the ride. Thanks, brother. Yeah, sounds great, man. Thanks for having me on. Um, all right, before we get to Saturday's card, let's talk some Friday Night Lights. Why let football have all the fun? Let's bet Friday Night Lights. I don't really have anything circle for Friday, so let me throw it to you guys. Anything on, on the radar for you? Davidson has been so disappointing. However... If you're paying attention, they have won four of their last five. And the only game they lost was that complete self-destruction at St. Joe's where they were up by 20 points. So they've been playing fantastic. They blow out Fordham at home. They blow out St. Bonaventure away. Impressive. The loss to St. Joe's. Then they beat a good Rhode Island team at home. Then they blow out LaSalle. Here comes Dayton, who's not covering. They have to go to Dayton for this game. But I'm going to love Davidson here. They're shooting well. Great coach. Veteran team. Goodmanson has come out there like the thriller video zombies. He's finally playing well. So I really like Davidson here. Probably going to be catching 10 to 12 points on the road against Dayton, who's been struggling a little bit here. So I like them on Friday night. Yeah, I think you got to pay attention to the horizon uh, because Wright State and Northern Kentucky are playing each other, and that's going to be a possible preview of the final there. Uh, the biggest buy low, sell high scenario on Friday night has to be Harvard coming in on four straight wins. And Columbia is worse than the Ivy, and they're on nine straight losses. So if there's going to be a, a point spread that maybe be a little bit too large because of uh, perception that could be the game. And, oh, look, Siena is on the road again on a Friday night. There's nothing <laughs> I love more. The defeated, I think Siena and Maris play every Friday night. It, it's the greatest thing ever. Home Siena. Is Siena at home? I didn't even look. At, at, at Marist. At Marist. Oh. Um, <laughs> okay, let's move on to Saturday. So many games, so little time. Let's look at the Saturday slate. I'll start. And in their season finale, I'm going to look to back the Evansville Purple Aces, who have a Oh, my win. God. It's in my notes. You can't take this from me. <laughs> All right. I'm just going to say, look, they got their best player back. They've lost 16 in a row. It's like a school record. Uh, they're at home against Illinois State. Get it, Colin. I'll, I'll toss it well, to you. Okay. All right, I'm not gonna, I'm not buying this team because their name is the Purple Aces or the fact that they're still playing hard and they haven't won a conference game yet. Illinois State has given up. They gave up a long time ago. Only four conference wins. Uh, they're struggling. They don't. The players don't like each other. The coach doesn't like the players. Uh, the media doesn't like the coach. The coach doesn't like the media. Everybody is really ready to get this season over with. Evansville is playing extremely hard. They lost by 11 uh, on January 29th to the Redbirds. Ken Palm sees this as a one-point game. Evansville is still playing very tight at home. And go ahead. You can talk about how, you know, the returning player. I, it's a great spot for the Purple Aces. Yeah, DeAndre Williams, their leading scorer, uh, 
returned a couple games ago. So he looks like he's going to be able to go full here. Uh, so I think Evansville gets the win. Um, I'll also mention Marquette. Um, uh, look, this is a game that Marquette really needs against a Seton Hall team that, look, it's they're playing okay, but they're kind of scuffling here. Both of their guards are dealing with knee tendonitis, which is somewhat of a concern. Um, but, you know, Look, we said Seton Hall's a one-game lead in the conference right now with Creighton and Villanova on deck. Great spot for Marquette. Randall, what do you got? That noise you hear is me jumping off the San Diego State bandwagon. That was a terrible game against Colorado State following the UNLV loss. I thought that, that they should have pounded them there. They are going to Nevada. Now, listen, I got burned with Nevada in our best bets last week because Fresno State decided to hit 14 three-pointers. I get it. But Nevada is hot. They've won six in a row. Now, here goes San Diego State on the road. I bet most people are going to say, oh, they'll bounce back. They're ba- they'll bounce back. Nevada, number one in the conference in thir- at three three-point shooting, 39.3%. They're going to be very live in this game. They shoot free throws well. Jalen Harris is going to do Jalen Harris-like things. Watch out, San Diego State. You're going to give me these points at home, probably going to be at seven or eight. I will grab them in a second. Agreed. I think Nevada gets the upset. Yeah, just making a trio of people that we're going to be fighting each other to get in and get into the column and make Nevada our best bet because that was absolutely on my list as well. But I'll pivot over to SEC. I'm not a fan of Tennessee basketball. Uh, Florida comes in. Off a bounce-back win against LSU after a loss to Kentucky, uh, the Gators have the better offense. They have the better defense. Florida loves to shoot the three. They're best in the SEC. They're, they're second in point distribution from the three-point line. Tennessee is ninth in perimeter defense, and they're spiraling the wrong direction right now. Uh, and this is a big game. I don't know if the Volunteers realize it, but they're about to fall down to the bottom four of the 11 through 14 seeds, which makes them play on day one of the SEC tournament. Florida's the best defensive rebounding team in the SEC. I just see all kinds of problems for the Volunteers here. Uh, I will go, I'm going to mention Miami of Ohio. Um, it might be a good spot to get them against Bowling Green, who just swept Akron. They took over the outright lead in the MAC. A little bit of a sleepy spot here and a flat spot before they go uh, to Kent. And earlier this year, Miami of Ohio played Bowling Green very tough. They lost by two at Bowling Green. So I think you're going to be able to get Miami of Ohio as a live home dog here in a spot Bowling Green might come out a little flat. I've been saying they're undervalued all year. Maybe they are again, but the market I feel like is is catching up. And they got pretty lucky in that Akron game. I think Akron at one point was one of 27 from three. This is one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country. Um, so I'll be looking at my Ohio as a home dog. What do you got, Randall? Uh, you know that last time that Iowa State won on the road this year? Yeah, it was never. They have never <laughs> won on the road this year. And, of course, they don't have Halliburton. I like them against TCU at home. Nice win. Now they go on the road against Oak State, who's playing better. Of course, had the bad second half against Kansas. Oak State's going to be laying about four points in this game. I think it's a big win for Oak State. Iowa State, nice win at home. Hilton Magic, no magic on the road. Love the Cowboys here at home. I agree with you. Uh, Colin? I'm going to pivot to Sunday. There's a buy low, sell high spot for St. John's. They've lost three straight and they're hosting Creighton, who's won five straight. The problem is, is St. John's excels in defensive steals and Creighton is second best in the conference in offensive steal percentage. They're very good at ball protection. So I can't bet St. John's in the spot. I think Creighton continues to roll. Uh, I'll go with maybe Pepperdine at home. Um, maybe you're going to get an overvalued and potentially flat BYU team. They've had a week off since that Gonzaga win. Pepperdine's been playing some pretty good basketball here. And look, BYU is clearly in the tournament. They've heard how great they are all week. Might, you know, also factor into the number. 
they are most likely not going to win the West Coast Conference. They have three losses. Gonzaga only has one. Um, Pepperdine is sitting at eight and seven uh, in the conference. Important game for them. So I think Pepperdine will be a live home dog. Randall, anything else? Last one is on Sunday. Love SMU at home. They've done a nice job for me here. They're going to have Wichita State, who right now just took a lead over Temple by one, but Temple's going to cover no problem with about 30 seconds left. So SMU at home always scores. Here comes Wichita State. Very up and down struggles to score as well. That'll be a small line. Could be one or two. I like SMU to keep it going at home on Sunday. Colin, anything else? Yeah, just one last Sunday, one Colorado at Stanford. Or the trees have won three straight. I know the competition has been great with Utah and Washington State, but they're starting to make some noise. they got the best defensive efficiency in the conference, the best effective field goal shooting in the Pac-12. And that's good because they're dead last in offensive rebounds, but I think this is a spot where they're hosting Colorado and they're going to be able to steal a win. Amazing that Colorado cannot figure it out away from them. They have all the pieces, mm-hmm. but they're down 12 at the half to Cal right now. Um, I'll close it out here with uh, UCSB. Irvine has everything locked up in their conference and look UCSB already beat them earlier this year they're playing really good basketball it's a team that I expected to see all year in the big west they're at seven and five they're in this huge group so they're still very motivated I like the way that they're playing I like the way that they match up with UC Irvine and then Mary's no yeah, you can't do it Mary's I, I just got to see what the numbers because Mary's got absolutely embarrassed by Gonzaga I'm sure you're going to get their best effort here um, so I'll have to look. Yeah. And then maybe Michigan state, I don't know, maybe the, but the, there's no bad Michigan state is the, the gig steamed and their lines are so high. The market loves them and they never can cover any thoughts, Randall on Michigan state, Maryland or Gonzaga Mary's. You know, and I know Turgeon's all angry about the travel here, but this Maryland team, their second halves have been super consistent. I mean, just bet Maryland's second half. They've been fading first half. You fade them first half. You come back, you bet them second half here. Michigan State, I think something's wrong. I like Maryland. You know, even though Turgeon has his questions, Jalen Smith's inside a double-double. He's not afraid to step out for three. Wiggins can get some shots, and Cowan is superior. So I'm going to take a superior point guard, a really good center, and a team that looks cohesive at home here. You know you're going to get a great effort against Michigan State. I, I like Maryland. I can't believe this. I'm back in Maryland, back in Florida State. What's wrong with me? Well, there you have it. Well done, gentlemen. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Colin, for joining me as always. And thanks, Blake, uh, for joining us to talk some SEC. Thanks, everyone, for listening. You know the drill. Subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe, leave a review, tell a friend, tell an enemy. All that stuff really helps. Appreciate your support. You'll be hearing a lot more of us as we approach conference tournaments. But good luck this weekend, and we'll catch you all later. Cheers. Peace out. Bring it. We're finished talking.